Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Have a comment about today's show? Visit RoyGreenShow.com. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. If you're looking to uh, listen to any of the audio from the show, suggest you go to your favorite chorus radio station to their uh, audio vaults. You should find everything there to uh, listen back to anything that we air at any time. And uh, emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com. There's something else I wanted to tell you, but you know how it is. It's there, and then it's gone. Dr. Timothy Ball joins us on The Roy Green Show, and... uh, He's the author of Human-Caused Global Warming, The Biggest Deception in History. And he's been fighting uh, the CO2, creates destructive global warming argument for a long time. And Tim, we thank you for coming on the show. And we, we've, we've, just, we've just seen the, or the ebbing away of the Obama administration, which in the last year of its existence decided it would tell the world that global warming, the climate change, was the biggest threat to humanity. And now we have, by way of contrast, the new administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, Scott Pruitt, on Thursday saying he doesn't think CO2 is a significant contributor to, to global warming. How You couldn't get a bigger shift in policy and thinking than that. No, and, and, uh, and of course, one of the things that's interesting, uh, well, first of all, Obama started his uh, a presidency with his comment about he's going to lower the sea level and he's going to you know bring calm to the climate change and all the rest of it so he had to go out with the same argument it became his legacy in a way but it's interesting with trump and you were talking about uh, politicians earlier uh, one of the things that politicians do not only have little sound bites but they have stock uh, positions that they take so for example they'll say when they're when they're running for office oh it, it, it's um, you know it's terrible we've got to do something about it and here's what I'm going to do and they make all kinds of promises then the minute they get into office they say oh we've discovered it's far worse than we thought I can't possibly keep any of my promises Trump did exactly the opposite Trump got into office and said, it's far worse than I thought. We've really got to do something about it. And, and so, of course, that's one of the uh, issues with regard to the um, uh, climate change issue. And uh, Scott Pruitt, of course, was picked. And he's very, very knowledgeable about the climate issue because he's from the state of Oklahoma, and one of the senators who had consistently tried to point out what's wrong with the climate science, Senator Inhofe, is a very, very close friend of his. In fact, Inhofe flew him around the state when he was running for the attorney general. So in, uh, Pruitt knows what he's talking about. But I want to, uh, Roy, I want to give some credit to a, a Hamilton Spectator reporter uh, uh, by the name of Elaine Dewar. And she wrote a book. Uh, she wanted to write a book in praise of uh, Canadian climate or Canadian environmentalists, and the more she dug into it, the more she discovered that they were uh, as corrupt as the politicians and, and the business people they were attacking. And she wrote in her book, and this this goes right to the issue. When she spoke to Maurice Strong, and she spent five days with him at the UN, um, in in her book Cloak of Green, she said 
um, that she asked him, you know, what's the problem? And he said, the problem for the planet, the industrialized nations. And um, she said, uh, well, what, what are you going to do about it? He said, well, our, our, our responsibility is to shut them down. Well, how do you do that? The answer is that you, if you show that the byproduct of their uh, industry is CO2 and it's causing global warming, uh, you, you can shut them down. And she said, well, why don't you run for politics? And he said, oh, you can't do anything as a politician. Probably the only honest statement he ever made. But she said to him, and he, she quotes him in, his, in her book, he could raise his own money from whoever, he, or that he liked the UN because he could raise his own money from whoever he liked, appoint anyone he wanted, control the agenda. And of course, that is what has gone on um, ever since. And Strong has orchestrated the whole cl- uh, crisis through the United Nations. And Dewar also added in her summary of what Strong was doing said uh, Strong was using the U.N. as a platform to sell a global environment crisis and the global governance agenda. And, of course, that's what uh, Trump and and the boys are planning to uh, undermine. So so I want to ask you this. I want to ask you this question because you were invited to Washington. Yeah. And you were there for a number of days as the transition from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, and specifically the EPA aspect of yep. it, was being uh, handled. You were there for that. What, how would you describe the position the United States has on the issue of climate change in 2017 vis-a-vis when Barack Obama was still president in 2016. What a, we know what Obama's position was. What's the position of the United States today? Is there a sentence, two, three sentences, which summarize it? Well, there, there are. One, one of the things that the transition team were told by Trump, and by the way, they appoint, he appointed them before he was even elected, uh, because he knows as a developer you've got to have everything ready to go on day one. And... Uh, his, his direction to them was what he had said publicly. He said, I don't want to shut down the EPA completely. We need clean air and clean water. What he wanted to stop was the use of, of the bureaucracy for a political agenda. And, of course, that's been the difficulty. Um, Obama end-run the, uh, the legislative process. So, for example, the Paris Agreement could not have been a treaty because if it was a treaty, it had to be approved by the Senate, and Obama knew he'd never get Senate approval. So he called it an agreement. And, and of course, that, ironically, is going to make it very easy for Trump to walk away. He doesn't have to go to the Senate to get approval to cancel a treaty. It, it, they just pull the funding, and that's the end of so it. So what's going to happen, then, from your perspective on, the, on this, what's going to happen to the global uh, the view, the position that's been taken by these 200-plus nations that signed the... Uh, the, the U.N. climate agreement, what's going to happen to all of this uh, in, in the next three to four years with Donald Trump as president of the United States? Well, it, it'll virtually collapse completely. Because they don't have any money, right? Without the well, U.S., it, they haven't got any money. Exactly. But, but you see, one of the things was that the Paris Agreement was a replacement, and they were going to approve the Green Climate Fund, which was a replacement for the Kyoto Protocol. And it's interesting to is look that at the, the one, uh, Tim, is yeah. that the one where Justin Trudeau uh, committed $2.6 billion to? Okay. Yep, and, and Harper even gave $800 million. So, yeah, that, that's the one. And, of course, most nations didn't want to contribute. 
uh, even under Obama, the U.S. didn't contribute its full amount that was required. Mm-hmm. And of course, what 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 it was, the Kyoto and the Green Climate Fund, was uh, a perfect example of what somebody once said about foreign aid, where you take the money from the poor people of the rich country and give it to the rich people of the poor country. But if we take Tim Ball's position from day one, and we look at it today in uh, 2017, you go back to when you and I first talked, probably 10 or so years ago, I haven't heard you waver or heard you change your position at all. So we go back to the very, the the, the genesis of of your becoming a, a public figure, and, and you argued from day one that none of this was necessary because global warming or CO2-related uh, human-induced global warming wasn't going on. Exactly. And, and, um, and, I, and, you know, there's two things about that. One is that I constantly kept in my, the front of my, my small brain that if somebody could show me I was wrong, I had to be the first person out there to t- say it. And I would have called you, Roy, and said, give me some airtime, Roy, because I'm wrong, and I've got to, I've got to be the one that says it. And and so, but the other the other issue that I've said all along, and I suspect I've said it on your program, is uh, there's no pleasure in I told you so, because you look at the trillions of dollars and and lives that have been disrupted uh, by this whole uh, deception, and that's what's really disturbing about it all. And the other problem that um, I'm concerned about is that uh, the public, once they find out how much they've been deceived on these issues, will start to say, we don't believe anything you tell us, and real environmental issues won't get dealt with at all. Yeah, well, that's, people, that's the danger. People generally, globally, and, and this is what politicians are worried about, people have become so, and justifiably, yep. become so cynical about the positions taken by politicians because they've been lied to over and over, year after year, decade after decade, in the same way, that yep. it's become almost an accepted game. They, it's almost as though the people who are running for office just know that we, well, we tell them this before we're elected, and then after we're elected, we won't do it, and we'll blame the people who are in power before us. And now, finally, people have said, and they're saying it, I think, almost globally, enough! Yeah, exactly. we, 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 don't, we don't want to accept this any longer. Right. It, it summarized, I took seniors on tours of Europe and, and on a two or three occasions went to Pompeii, and one of the pieces of graffiti, because Pompey was having an election at the time of the eruption of Vesuvius, one of the pieces of graffiti says, if we get rid of this bunch of scoundrels, we just get another bunch of scoundrels. And that's the general public attitude has been throughout history. And, and of course, the question I ask is, at what point do the people rise up and throw the scoundrels out? And, and it, it occurs two things. One is when there's a failure of the food supply, and by the way, the Egypt riots that Obama claimed were uh, Arab Spring were, were actually just food riots. They were nothing to do with the democracy. And the other reason that they'll throw people out is when the, when the politicians give the attitude that they don't care what the people think. They're going to do whatever they want regardless. And, of course, see, one of the things that's interesting about Trump election is that um, I think it was... Um, uh, Oh, I forgot his name now. But uh, anyway, Huckabee. Huckabee said that 30% of the people that were attending Trump rallies had never voted before. Mm-hmm. And that's the 30% that say, hey, we just get rid of the scoundrels and get more scoundrels. And, and uh, one woman, I believe, at the age of 86 said, why are you here? And she said, finally, somebody's talking my language. Yeah, but I've got, I've got to ask you about this. When, yep. when you say that there's people become so polarized over the issue yep. that there's the chance that really significant information and significant environmental developments 
and environmental needs will not be met because of the cynicism will it will sweep them up too oh exactly and and that's of course the classic cry wolf uh, if you if you keep crying wolf and one of the ways by the way that you can tell when somebody's crying wolf and the story uh, mm. was that the the boy uh, increasingly raised the alarm higher and higher until they stopped coming out when there really was a wolf. No. And, and, of course, what you see now is all these uh, uh, deliberate uh, corruption of the climate data. They say, oh, it's the warmest year ever, and storms are worse than ever. They're doubling down on, on uh, false stories and fake news in order to defend an, an, an increasingly indefensible position. Hold on, Tim. We're going to come back. Dr. Timothy Ball is my guest. Um, I think I dropped him. You guys have to call him back. I pushed the wrong button. Sorry about that. Uh, we're going to come back with Dr. Timothy Ball, and we will include your phone calls at 1-800-263-2428. 1-800-263-2428. Do you have a question for Dr. Ball? Point you want to make about the climate change argument. Point you want to make about the Trump administration and the, uh, the switch in the EPA. Which side are you on? 800-263-2428. Dr. Timothy Ball, more with him when we come back on The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. You mess with the, you ball, mess with the ball, you get the horns. You get the horns. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. One of the uh, key issues that the climate change argument is so important is because so much money's involved, so many trillions of dollars eventually will be engaged. And according to Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, who was on this program prior to and then following the, um, the Paris Climate Agreement uh, situation, you'll remember he told us that there'd be trillion dollars or more spent and virtually zero accomplishment. And this is a man who believes in human, human-induced global warming, Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, the founder of the uh, Consensus Institute think tank in, uh, in Copenhagen in Denmark. Now, when it comes to, uh, and I'm going to go back to Dr. Timothy Ball and your calls at 800-263-2428. Maybe you have a statement you want to make about global warming or a question you have for Dr. Ball, 800-263-2428. The, um, the Toronto Star reports that environmental groups and Democrats seized on Pruitt's comments as evidence he's unfit for the office he holds, Pruitt being Scott Pruitt, the new administrator of the Environmental Protection Agency, who said that CO2 has very little to do with global warming. The arsonist is now in charge of the fire department, and he seems happy to let the climate crisis burn out of control, said Sierra Club Executive Director Michael Brune. Pruitt is, quote, spewing corporate polluter talking points other than fulfilling the EPA's mission of protecting our air, our water, and our communities, Brune said, noting the EPA has a legal responsibility to address carbon politics, or carbon pollution, rather. Democratic Senator Brian Schatz said the comments underscore that Pruitt is a climate denier and uh, insisted lawmakers will stand up to him. Anyone who denies over a century's worth of established science 
and basic facts is unqualified to be the administrator of the EPA, Schatz said in a statement. I don't know how they do that, how they talk in a written statement, but anyway. Tim, so, so you just heard the Democratic senator said or issued a statement and which he claims, and the quotes are, anyone who denies over a century's worth of established science and basic facts is unqualified to be the administrator of the EPA, end quote. So, is Scott Pruitt ignoring a century's worth of established facts when he says CO2 is not a contributor, a main contributor to global warming? No, he's not. In, uh, in fact, he is looking at all of the facts, not just the ones that are selectively chosen by those that want to make the argument. But just, just to take the um, senator's comment, and he talks about carbon pollution, and the people talk about carbon tax. It isn't carbon. Carbon's a solid. We're, they're talking about CO2, which is a gas. So they, don't, they can't even get their basic definitions of the terms correct. And, and it's just an illustration of how little they know or understand. And, of course, one of the things that's very important to, to uh, know about it is that when Maurice Strong set up the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, he did it through, and we talked earlier about how he went to the U.N., he did it through the World Meteorological Organization, and that is a body made up of the bureaucrats of every national weather office um, in the world. And, of course, uh, if you control the bureaucrats, you can control the political message. And Murray Strong knew that um, extremely well. And just to illustrate the problem here in Canada, uh, as you probably know, Roy, uh, governments correctly have tried to keep research funding at arm's length from political interference. Uh, they do it through the uh, National Research Council with science funding, the SHRC with social science and humanities, the Medical Research Council with medical research. But when it came to climate change research, all of the funding came through Environment Canada. They had uh, direct control of who was getting funded, and of course they only funded one side of the argument. If you wanted to write an article or get funding to say, hey, I've got some problems with the science of this, and to illustrate the point, when David Anderson was Minister of of, uh, Natural uh, Resources, um, he uh, came out and said uh, that we're going to sign Kyoto because we've consulted all the climate experts on it. Uh, all the Canadian climate experts on it. Well, eight of us went to Ottawa and held a press conference and said, hey, here's eight of us that weren't consulted. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to illustrate how political this became, uh, we announced our our press conference on Spark Street and the press office at at 10 o'clock on a certain date. Anderson, who had not come out with his Kyoto policy or his policy on on climate change, suddenly announced that he was going to announce it in the House at exactly the same time as our press conference. Interesting. So yeah. this is yeah. this is the kind of, of thing. And, and, of course, Maurice Strong knew that by controlling the bureaucrats, and, and by the way, this is something that uh, one of the reasons that we got called to uh, Washington yeah. was because I was in Australia with a senator by the name of, of Malcolm Roberts and another climate scientist by the name of Tony Heller, and Heller has shown how they've adjusted the data to make the older data look colder and the, the newer data look warmer. Yeah, a lot of the, uh, I think what happens here, Tim, is we start to get lost in, uh, in yep. some of the minutiae 
Oh yeah. Because not we're not all as closely aligned or t- tied into the into the subject. If we, no. we we need the broad brushstrokes of information that okay. that we can work we can yeah. work from. Now yeah. you talk. We're going to get some calls on the air in just a second. Yeah. But you talked about funding yeah. that uh, these scientists have received and and funding that's available. There has been, as you know, there's been people who've said, well, that that Tim Ball. He's funded by the fossil industry. He's funded by the the uh, you know by, by 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 big business by corporations to go out and deliver untruths. Um, talk about the funding that Tim Ball receives. Well, Tim Ball has never received a nickel from any energy company and certainly any oil company. And and in fact, my problem right from the start was I was particularly interested in reconstructing climate, historical climate. And when I went for funding from the, the, those agencies I mentioned, if I went to the uh, social sciences and humanities, they said, oh, no, it's science, climate. So then when I went to the climate or the science people, they said, oh, no, no, you're using historical documents to reconstruct, and that's arts. And so I ended up with almost all of my funding come from the, coming from the National Museum of Canada because, of course, museums understand that if you're going to display human history, you've got to do it in, in the physical context. It's got right. to be a mixture. Yeah. But, of course, this is the uh, easy slur on people to say, oh, they're, they're being bought off. And that, there's two things, or several things about it. First of all, it's an insult. How dare they assume that I'm willing to sell my scientific integrity for who funds me? And secondly, how come if it's money from an oil company, it's directed, and if it's money from government or from Greenpeace, it isn't directed? And this is the great myth that they've created uh, in doing it. And, And, of course, another factor is that it doesn't matter who funds your research. If it doesn't hold up to scientific uh, scrutiny, it's irrelevant uh, who funds it. And and that's a a third point. And the fourth point is I wouldn't invest in an energy company that wasn't doing climate research. Their whole business is dependent upon how the weather's going to go. I mean, look look at what happens right. now. They they produce more oil in in or gasoline in the summer and less in the winter and so on, and they've got to know what the trends of climate are. So I wouldn't invest in a. All right, Tim. Tim, hold on. Got to take a break. Then we'll come back and we'll take some phone calls for you. Thank Dr. You. Timothy Ball. My number is eight hundred two six three twenty four twenty eight. The issue is climate change, and the United States doing an almost one hundred and eighty degree turn, not supporting the idea of human-induced global warming. The cash flow stops to the U.N. And um, Mr. Trump and Mr. Pruitt, his EPA administrator, are being called all sorts of things. Denier, one of the more acceptable terms. I've seen some interesting comments on uh, on email. Emails are quite often very long. So... But I'll try to read some as we go through uh, this issue, and it's going to become more of an issue again with Pruitt's appointment to the EPA. Your calls at 800-263-2428 for Dr. Timothy Ball when we come back. Think you can swim with the sharks? Talk with Mr. Great White himself, Roy Green. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Somewhere in your house, there's a clock that hasn't been changed. And there's one in my car that hasn't been changed, and I can't figure out how to change it. There are so many electronic gizmos and gadgets on cars now, right? 
And I'm just trying to figure out how to how to uh, change the clock, and I haven't been able to do it. Dr. Timothy Ball is with us, the uh, the author of Human Caused Global Warming, The Biggest Deception in History. And on the line, we have John in Peterborough, Ontario. Hi, John. Thank you for the call. Well, thank you there, Mr. Green. Go ahead. Do you have a point to make with Tim or a question to ask? Yeah. Uh, first off, um, Dr. Ball, thank you very much for all you're doing. Um, I'm just fed up with it because all these global, global climate change prolifics, you know, they're buying their beachfront houses. They're not moving away from the ocean, which is... You know, they're going to be flooded in a week or so from what, the way they talk. And nobody tells you what they're going to do with the money. Why don't they just come out and say, you know what, we're going to rip you off some more. And that's basically what the government's doing these days, as far as I'm concerned. So you think, you think it's, a, it's a transfer of, it's a wealth transfer? Oh, yeah, of course. That, that, well, thank, you, thank you for the call, John. I appreciate well, it. That point's been made many times, Tim. How much truth is there? I mean, I know you're not the an economist, you're the climatologist, but do you have any information on that? Where's Tim? Okay, somebody help me out here. Okay. notices, but anyway, and, and nobody ever asks Al Gore what his qualifications are, but John's point is very well made. Uh, there's two things that are driving it from a political point of view. One is, of course, that uh, politicians, uh, uh, anything uh, that can get them a, a tax, and that's the only thing they're very good and very efficient at is finding new ways to tax you. And so carbon tax, and, and it comes under the lovely, uh, well, the cloak of green, as we talked about. Um, oh, we're saving the planet, and therefore we have to do this. We don't like doing it, but we have to do this. Tim, what's yeah. the, what's the, how, do you, how do you refute in a way that people can easily understand? Because, yeah. you know, most of us, I think, have... Our knowledge of, of climate begins and ends with reading the thermometer and looking at the sky. Um, what is the cogent argument that pushes aside or sets aside or destroys the climate change, the global warming argument? Global warming is caused by CO2. How, how, what's the argument that just refutes that? Well, the, the, uh, the basic one is, of course, that when you have a hypothesis or what scientists is speculation, and they, they speculated, their hypothesis said if CO2 increases, temperature increases, and that's built right into their computer models. The problem is that for every single record that we've got, um, and we've known this since 1995, every single record we've got of any duration, of any time period, the temperature increases before the CO2. In other words, the fundamental assumption that they make is, is absolutely wrong. And that, of course, is why uh, in all of the weather forecasts that they've made or climate forecasts they've made through the IPCC, every single forecast has been wrong. And if your forecasts are wrong, your science is wrong. Well, wasn't there also yeah. Dr. Pichari, the, the, the chair of the IPCC, who predicted yeah. that the Himalayan glaciers would be gone by 2030 and then had to admit to a British reporter that he just made that up for a TV show? Well, yes, and, and Pachari was a railway engineer, and of course, the, that story about the, uh, the snow melting in the Himalayas came from uh, a, a scientist that worked for a company that Pachari owned. But let's, let's, uh, let's think about this. You've got yep. the, the chairman of the IPCC, yep. who he heads this thing for the United Nations. He's the voice, the face, the, 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 the authority, yep. and this man says 
that by 2030, the Himalayan glaciers will be gone. And then he has to admit that he made it up for a TV show. How does, how does somebody survive a moment like that? If it was on the other side of the equation, they'd be hounded for days and weeks and months and forever. Well, P- Pachari actually did get uh, pushed out of office. He had to step down because of it. Uh, but uh, there was as much in, in, in the fact that he'd, he'd written novels, uh, sexual novels, that was more against him in, in India than, than the fact that he lied about the science. But um, the, these people, that, that's part of the difficulty, is the lack of accountability. And, and I can give you, we could spend all day giving you examples of people that have cooked data. I mean, for example, Al Gore came out in and, and, um, uh, 2013, Arctic ice will be gone in the summertime. What did he say? Oh, Al Gore. Yeah, yeah well, and... and um, the, the head of the uh, NOAA Ice Center uh, for Arctic Ice, he also predicted it. He said by 2013, there would no, no more yeah. there would be no more ice in the Arctic in the summertime. Yeah. It's completely false. But, 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 but they don't get held accountable, and of course that's a, a failure of the media. I think a lot of the information that Al Gore receives, he gets from a big white rabbit that sits in his room. Uh, Doug in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Hi, Doug. Hi, Roy. Love your show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if anyone's thought about this, but I think it was some 10,000 years ago, give or take a few hundred years, there was a big climate change event happened rather slowly. It was called the Great Ice Age. What about the politicians back then? What did they do about that? Uh, especially the Toronto Star left-wing types, you know, and the, the New York Times and all that. You know, what did they do about that in those days? Well, there, I don't think there was any uh, any media in those days. <laughs> I'm being facetious, Roy. No, no, I know, I, I know, I, I, I know you are. I know. I you agree are. with what you're saying and what and what Mr. Ball is saying that. Uh, but but I'm sure I, there were politicians. I go to the gas station and and pay this extra what is it four cents a liter because of this so-called carbon tax. It just burns me. I had to buy a new vehicle with a smaller engine so I could afford to run it. Yeah. Well, you know that uh, that uh, Premier Brad Wall of Saskatchewan told us on the air that the day after Justin Trudeau announced in Parliament that he would have a carbon tax, Mr. Wall spoke with the Prime Minister and asked him whether he'd done any kind of economic impact study of a carbon tax, and the response mm-hmm. from Trudeau was, "No, he hadn't." So why would you why would you why would you put in place something as fundamentally impactful as a major change in taxation? and then not have done any sort of economic impact statement. Two reasons possible. One, you're lazy. And number two, you know the news isn't going to be good, so you're not going to do the study. I would tend to agree with the first, perhaps. <laughs> I didn't say a you thing. Know, I, Tim? I have a... Uh, I used to be on Facebook. I don't do it anymore because of no. a disaster. But you know, I used to read stuff, uh, friends of mine talking about... Uh, our dearly beloved premier and her tax grab, and that's all this is. Well, yeah, but we know from yesterday. And Doug, I thank you for the call, sir. I'm going to move along because we're almost out of time. We uh, we know from uh, from the email that was sent uh, yesterday by the uh, by the minister of uh, of energy that it's actually the liberals who are producing and creating the um, the opportunity for for um, Ontarians to be saved because they're reducing electricity prices by 25%. 
have the gall to do that after they're the ones who are responsible for raising everything to where it was. Tim, we have about 30 seconds. Uh, how does this go forward with Donald Trump? Well, what, what the, the concern I have is uh, it's, it's uh, tied up in some of the things you read, and that as, uh, as long as the public don't understand at least some level of the malfeasance that's gone on, the opposition will simply be able to say, oh, this is Trump just putting more money into the pockets of his billionaire friends. And, and that's, that's a deep concern of mine. But the, the good news about it is that Trump uh, doesn't listen to any of that nonsense. He's not a normal politician. In fact, he's not a politician at all. And that's what we need. All right. Tim Ball, again, the title of his book, The Biggest Deception, While well, Human Caused Global Warming, The Biggest Deception in History. Human Clothes Caused Global Warming, The Biggest Deception in History. Check them out on Amazon.ca. Tim, thank you. Great talking to you again. It's been a long time. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Take care. Actually, I talked to Tim about a couple of months ago, but about six years between those conversations. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this.